eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. What's good, everybody? Appreciate you joining us here on the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. I am Joey Powell, your host. With me, as always, for this show, the two most awesome dudes that I know as far as recruiting and knowledge and recruiting knowledge, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Boys, I appreciate you being here. How are you? Doing well. How many recruiting people do you know is the question. Look, man, that's irrelevant. That's, that, <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. I'm just talking about you guys being the top of the heap. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's what I'm here for. Hey, we appreciate you guys listening. If you're checking us out on YouTube, I uh, appreciate you watching. Take a second, stop and review us. Um, you know, let us know what you think. I'm not going to be one of those people that says five stars only because I'd rather you be honest with us. If you don't like what we're doing, you know, make it known so we can be better about it. Uh, we definitely want to put out, definitely don't want to put out subpar content for all of our Inside Carolina listeners, subscribers, and viewers. Uh, while you're there, make sure you check out because you got to be online to rate us and review us, right? Well, if you're online, you're just one click away from Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. We're in between seasons right now. Basketball season's starting up. They got basketball gear. Football season's about half over. They got football gear. Uh, shout out to Karen Shelton and the women's field hockey team for winning their 701st game and another ACC title. They got field hockey gear. I mean, if you want it, Johnny T-Shirt's got it. If Johnny T-Shirt doesn't have it, you don't need it. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, Inside Carolina Premium subscribers, get that extra 10% on top if you use the code. And honestly, they got like four or five different sales going on right now. Uh, Tommy mentioned it last week on the Inside Carolina Live radio show, which you should also be listening to on chapelboro.com. But Tommy mentioned that they got four or five different sales that he saw in his email inbox last week. So hit up Johnny T-Shirt. Thank them for supporting the show. Thank them for supporting all the content that we put out here on Inside Carolina. And just get good gear. I don't want our viewers and our listeners to be wearing bad gear, right? I mean, Rel, Sean, you guys typically are, are dressed. I'm assuming you like good gear. Well, Johnny T-shirt has good gear. Um, boys, it, it, there is not a ton to talk about with regard to the recruiting scene, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we've got National Signing Day on Wednesday the 11th. We're recording this on November the 9th, so just a, a two short days away, we're going to have National Signing Day for the early signing period. Sean, I'll go to you first. Any surprises out there? I mean, we've talked about Carolina signees, but what do you expect to happen on Wednesday? No, I mean, I don't think there'll be any surprises. Definitely not like a football signing day where you're <laughs> trying to see who's going who's gonna to flip and who's going to decommit. 
Um, so it should be relatively quiet. I mean, I think the positive, there are two, two signees, um, DeMarco Dunn and Dontre Styles. So two guys that both received offers um, in the springtime. So kind of once the coaching staff wasn't able to, to see a lot of the players. Um, now, are, the, are these the five-star top 25 kids that a lot of people probably were hoping for? They're not, but I think they're definitely uh, very strong building blocks um, for the long run. And I think, you know, there's still the opportunity to potentially land one of the big guys in um, Hunter Salas, who's still on the board, but we'll, we'll probably talk about him later. Um, so I don't think any surprises, but I do think, you know, you're getting two of the top players in North Carolina. You're getting two uh, talented players that will be around for several years. And I think guys that will be able to contribute at least off the bench as freshmen and grow into potential starters down the road. And if nothing else, and I'm sure we've probably mentioned it as an ad nauseum here, but if nothing else, Roy Williams has proven time and time again that he can take a four-star North Carolina kid and work wonders with them. Uh, Sherelle, I'll go to you. What do you expect uh, these guys – are they going to kind of continue that, that flow of good North Carolina talent that Roy is able to have success with? Yeah, I think for sure. It's, it's a class that is incomplete at the moment. Uh, just because, as Sean said, there were some misses with uh, players they offered, and then they didn't have the normal opportunities to kind of scout other players and then supplement the offers that they had, you know, in, in the winter um, with more offers in, in the summer. So <clears throat> that's kind of where they're at. It's, it's a class that will be added to. That, that is a, a near certainty. Um, it's just a matter of figuring out whether that will be a grad transfer or – uh, someone who uh, decommits from their current school or someone who is released from their letter of intent, or if um, the NCAA passes this legislation in January with the one-time transfer, if it's someone who's going to be playing at another school um, in a couple mm-hmm. weeks. So <clears throat> the pool of players for them to pick from will be the largest they've ever had in the spring, just because of all those factors. And then on top of that, you add the COVID factor with guys who might just want to be closer to home or um, who just have seen everything that's happened in the last eight or nine months and just want to change, you know, just expect a whole bunch of movement in the spring. And so it's actually probably a good thing that they're going to carry over some scholarships. Uh, No, I'm not, people are going to get on me because they're going to say, Oh, well, you're excusing the misses. No, I'm not excusing the misses. I'm just saying that um, it's beneficial that if someone wants to come in the spring, that you have a scholarship or scholarships available. I think UNC football can attest to that in that there is a player who they'll be playing <laughs> later on in the year who, if they had asked for scholarship, probably would be in Chapel Hill. So, um, Not like we've I, ever talked about that <laughs> offline or anything. Right, right, right. So I, I would say two really, two really solid players who give UNC kind of coverage at the position um, that they play. Uh, Styles will play – I think he's more of a combo forward, but he he could play some three at, at some point at Carolina. And then Dunn is more of a wing guard, will play the two and could play some three. So they give you coverage on those two positions, and um, it's really important when you have those kind of pieces already in place. It, it allows you some freedom to go do other things. You know, we can still talk about the misses for this class and also talk about the positives of having a very, as you mentioned, large pool of players to potentially choose from in the transfer market or what have you after the season, both things can be true. Right. And that's, that's where I I think I'm glad you mentioned that we can stress that to our listeners, both things can be true. And I do think that for all of the quote misses that 
fans and readers and subscribers saw over the early part of this class, it's going to kind of be on steroids once the, the transfer pool opens at the end of the year when, when the staff starts evaluating those guys. Because then all of a sudden, it's going to be condensed into a smaller window. There will be guys, like you said, that may not even be on the radar right now. And then who knows? It's all of a sudden the, the staff brings them in or does a virtual visit or whatever, and they can end up being on the roster a couple of weeks later. Yeah, this, this time two years ago, Anthony Harris was committed to Virginia Tech. Yep. Um, we had never heard of Christian Keeling. Uh, maybe just maybe maybe Sean had heard of uh, of uh, Justin Pierce. I hadn't. Um, you know, we didn't know what Cole Anthony was going to do, and, and that goes on back a couple of years where you can you know make that example. So it's just important to be patient. Um, I, I think we'll, they've shown their chops kind of with recruiting in the spring here over the last three or four years. It's something that's in their tool set now, or, or in their toolkit now, and we'll, we'll see what what happens. Uh, you know, come the spring signing period. Yeah, man. So appreciate you guys giving us a little bit of a, a preview into what's going to go on on Wednesday. Nothing out of the ordinary. Great parallel, Sean, for that it's not like football signing day. One of the things that I think we can get into that I think our listeners will appreciate, uh, as we sit here today, the first preseason AP Top 25 poll came out. Boys in North Carolina sitting at number 16. Sherelle, do you feel like that's right? Too high, too low, or what? Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a place you put a team that you know is talented, but you aren't quite sure how the freshmen are going to respond and aren't sure how the pieces are going to fit. You kind of cop out and say, okay, we'll put them at 16. And if they end up out, you know, outplaying their, their ranking by seven or eight spots, you say, okay, we, we knew they were talented, but they were just question marks is what you say. And if they don't, you can say, well, we knew that the pieces might not fit and that they were young. So it's a good kind of even, even place. And, um, you know, I, Roy Williams always talks about how he likes it when they're ranked high because that means he feels like he has a really good team. Um, so I'm curious to see how he reacts. He'll probably say he doesn't care. I'm curious <laughs> to see if that is going to be motivational for this team to say, look, they, they, don't, they disrespect you. You're number 16. Or if this is the type of team that needs to hear, hey, guys, you're actually good. They think you're the 16th best team in the country, and there's not much separation between 1 and 16. Um, so I, I'll be interested when he speaks at media day later this week, if he's going to speak at media day, um, what he says about that. Yeah, I agree. Sean, what about you? 16 feel right to you? Yeah, I think it feels right. I mean, I, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have them 16th versus a top 10 team that is, is out of the top 25 in, in two to three weeks. So I think 16th is right. Just given, you know, once again, won their record last year. Um, so sure, they're they're adding some pieces, but you can't just totally wipe off uh, last year and noting that, you know, there need to be big improvements um, to get up to 16. Now, when you look at some of the teams above them, I think there are plenty of teams that, uh, that they're equal to, if not better than. Um, talking about a lot of the Big Ten uh, teams and, and some other ones. So, I think it gives them a lot of room to work up um, as the season progresses. And, and once again, there's a lot of unknown quantities outside of Garrison Brooks. Um, you know, how are the freshman guards going to play? Is UNC going to be able to, to shoot the ball? Um, you know, how will somebody play next to Garrison Brooks? So there's a lot of talent, uh, but there's a lot of question marks. Uh, but once again, I think I'd rather have room to go up than a lot of room to go down. Absolutely. And you mentioned, and uh, thank you for making my segue for me, you'd mentioned uh, some other teams that UNC may be equivalent to, they'll get a chance to play a couple of them. Um, went back and looked, you know, Ohio State, 
uh, is in the Champions Classic. I think that's what they call it. I don't remember. It's one of those uh, multi-team events. But they play Ohio State, who checked in at 23. Uh, Texas is in the Maui, but now in Asheville Invitational. Um, Texas is ranked 19th. Uh, and just for, for our listeners, the top five broke out as Gonzaga won, Baylor, uh, Villanova, Virginia, and then Iowa. Iowa's another team that, that Carolina draws in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, which, again, this is all out the window if, if, if COVID flares up, but uh, Iowa's right now on the schedule. So that's another top five team, and North Carolina will have a very early chance to prove themselves and compare themselves to another highly rated or at least rated uh, basketball team. Um, fellas also in the ACC, uh, Duke at nine. I mentioned UVA at four. Florida State at 21. I feel like Florida State has been on the verge of being good for a long time, but can they sustain it, right? Like now they've gotten there. Can they sustain this? Sean, how do you feel about FSU checking in at 21? Um, you know, it's funny you kind of bring them up, up first is because I think they did lose. They did lose a lot. Um, sure. And sure, they have Scotty Barnes coming in, who is kind of a, you know, jackknife of all trades, somebody that can do a lot. You know, he's also expected to kind of continue that um, FSU tradition of a lottery pick, which I don't think really gets talked about that often. Um, But they lost a lot with with Vassal and and Williams, just to name two guys that could be in the lottery um, next week. So you know, throw, throw MJ Walker in there, you know, Florida state always tough athletic. Uh, but I think they're going to have some growing pains as well. Just given that, uh, you know, Vassal and, and Williams were two very talented wings, even though Williams, you know, was just a freshman didn't really um, contribute maybe as much as one would expect a lottery pick too. But uh, Vassal, I, I thought was, you know, first team, a first team talent last year. So I think uh, Florida state, might be a little overranked early. And if we want to get into some of the other schools, I could definitely give you a few opinions on them as well. Give me one that really sticks in your craw right now that you feel like you're just way too gassed up. Um, I mean, I think UVA. as, as <laughs> And I, I feel like uh, no time has lapsed because uh, last time I was talking about UVA was about how I was predicting they would lose in the uh, first round of the NCAA tournament last year uh, which obviously didn't happen now well they didn't now, win. what's that they didn't win in the ncaa tournament last year <laughs> no but um you know for them in terms of of ken palm uh you know you have uva 16 in ken palm you have unc 23 i think that's probably more of an accurate barometer for them i feel in every preseason magazine discussion uva is a top five team and everybody talks about you know sam hauser uh, which I think is a good addition. And for UVA, they couldn't, couldn't shoot, you know, UNC might've been a better uh, three-point shooting team than them last year. So he definitely gives them, gives them that. And you have Jay Huff returning, but you lose uh, Diakite um, and you lose some other uh, key pieces to that. And sure, you're going to have the top defensive team. You're going to have one of the, the slowest tempos. Um, so you're minimizing possessions. But I think to go from, you know, I think they're ranked, you know, sub 200 in terms of offense to, you know, a top five team, I think is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Diakite. He had a great nine-year career at Virginia. Uh, Sherelle, who, who do you feel like in the top 25 is, is either way too high or way too low? 
I don't, this is, this is not analysis. So please don't mistake it as that, but I just, but don't you got it. gut feelings, man. Yeah. I, gut feelings with the group. I don't get Baylor. I don't understand. <laughs> I can't take Baylor as seriously as a program. I know that sounds terrible and I'm supposed to be objective, but I just, I look at their roster and it's like, yeah, it's solid. But I feel like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just some, some bias that they've got a lot of guys coming back or, you know, their system. I, I don't know what it is. I just, I have a hard time buying Baylor as the number two team in the country. Um, a team that got 24 first place votes. I know they had a good season. Uh, yeah. I know they have a lot coming back. You know, I, I just, I don't, I, I have no, there's no justification for it. I just don't feel like they're the second best team. And I know I'm that's not, that. that's not the deep analysis that, you know, people expect from us, but that's just how I feel. No, I'm with you on that. I, I think the thing, I didn't mind the second place ranking as much as I did them getting 24 uh, first place votes. That that's where I'm with you. They always have some really good athletes. They're usually really lethal when they're on. But I feel like every year Baylor is just this flash in the pan, and then they're inconsistent the very next week. You know, they go blow Kansas out in, in Allen Fieldhouse or something, and then they'll they'll wet the bed against a TCU, right? Like it just it never it never seems like they're able to to put on any consistency. But you know, we could be wrong. I'm, I'm with you. I, I don't. I know that's not huge, um, deep, insightful analysis, but but I, I do agree with that. Yeah, um, and and the other thing, I, just looking at the top 25, it's the second straight year. I think you you're really seeing the the talent drain in college basketball. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the lack of guys hanging around. You're seeing guys who maybe uh, leave too early and they end up not getting drafted, or they have to go overseas, or yeah. they're kind of just you know slumming it in the G League or, or whatever. Um, but I think that's really becoming apparent because I'm just I, I spent a lot of uh, not a lot of time, but I spent some time today just going through the, top, you know, the starting fives or the, the top seven or eight of, of some of these rosters. And there aren't many that are impressive, to be honest. Uh, there's just a lack of talent overall in college basketball. And, yeah. you know, to bring it back to Dunn and uh, to Styles, that's not going to change in, in, in some respects. It's likely to get worse as the G league continues to ramp up as guys see other options as guys, um, you know, you know, then the talent out by going to other schools, there's a movement for some players to go to HBCUs now. And so for the traditional, you know, powers, the talent is not only leaving and going to the G league, but it's also spreading out against, uh, you know, across more colleges. And so it's going to take investment in, maybe players who aren't as highly rated or, or players who have some small deficiency in their game that needs to be corrected over two or three years. The people who can do that are the ones who are going to be successful in whatever college basketball looks like kind of in the post one and done era. I would also surmise that as this talent consolidation um, starts to dwindle and it gets more dispersed uh, around the country at different schools, when you have the media that doesn't really know what to expect, they're going to lean on who they know which means they're going to lean on the brands that they know, which is why you see probably a Gonzaga and a Baylor up top. That's why you see Villanova. That's why you see, um, you know, Kansas, uh, Illinois, who had a decent year last year, but a lot of really uh, recognizable name brands in the top 25. And I'm, I'm not really sure that that means they're going to be any better than any other school next to them. I think it's just, it's, it's probably, you know, the, the sports media is trying to put uh, 25 names on a ballot and shout out to, uh, former Tar Heel Wes Miller and the UNC Greensboro Spartans getting one vote in the AP Top 25 preseason poll. Sean, anything else you want to throw in about the the Top 25 and what you see and, and how you feel having read that? Well, I think you kind of bring up a good point of just, you know, that once again, similar to last year, there's no 
real dominant team. And I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of fluctuations going on. I mean, uh, I think it was briefly touched on on the message boards of looking at, um, you know, the, the 2020 mock draft. And if you go all the way back to when the mock drafts were the beginning of just how much, um, you know, initially it's all really the top freshmen coming into college basketball. And then as December hits in January, now you have all these sophomores and juniors, once again, going back to Devin Vassell, uh, nobody had him, you know, on even the ACC, all ACs, all ACC radar, let alone now a lottery pick. So I think that's going to be the fun part is seeing who are all these sophomores and juniors that step up and kind of fill this void of, of talent. Um, you know, you look at Iowa and that's going to be a fun one for UNC of getting Luca Garza right off the bat. Who's going to be, you know, once again, the preseason player of the year, or you know, top two or three guy. And, and now you get Brooks, um, let alone some of the freshmen being able to go, go against him. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, fluidity in these rankings. And I think there's going to be a lot of uh, players that will have to step up to kind of fill that talent void. I think there's also going to be a lot of garbage teams that get ranked over port, port, uh, portion of the year, just because like you say, somebody's got to be top 25, right? Um, pause real quick. I want to take a quick break. I'll let some of the national guys come in here, uh, run some ads, uh, for our listeners, stick around. When we get right back, we're going to talk about uh, some players that we'd like to see and maybe how COVID might affect basketball this year. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, thanks for sticking around with us. You're listening to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Guys, we were talking before the break about different upperclassmen that are going to have to contribute and how these rosters are going to be different from a talent standpoint than what maybe college basketball fans have seen in the past. One phenomenon that has happened in football that I don't think anybody really prepped for as we sit amidst a pandemic is players opting out. Do you guys see that being something that may actually affect and remove some more talent or at least remove some more bodies from some of these rosters this year? Sherelle? You know, I hadn't thought about that at all, and I don't Good. know why. That's why I'm here. Um, Good, we can shut it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I'll be a little surprised. I think, um, I think some of the opt outs in football came when we knew less about COVID and, and mm -hmm. less about how to mitigate it. Um, it was before, obviously, you know, potential good news about a vaccine came out today before some of the different therapies were announced. So, uh, you know, all those guys were making decisions basically in August, <clears throat> and we knew a ton more. I shouldn't say a ton. We know a lot more um, about how to mitigate it than we did in August. So, uh, and 
um, I think administrators are, even though this is still a money grab, let's be honest, with college basketball <laughs> and college sports happening, they are at least doing what's necessary to try to protect the players. And I think that wasn't known back in August when those guys were opting out. So I say all that to say, in addition to football being a more physical, you know, kind of violent sport with a probably a greater chance of injury, I think you add all that up together. Maybe some of the guys were scared of COVID, but they also were scared of getting hurt and just didn't want to say it, which is completely fair and, and I would say normal to, to think that I, I would be surprised if you get the amount of players in college basketball opting out um, obviously it's a numbers game this is more football players but even the percentage of players opting out um, I, I would be surprised I think they'll go and play just because we have more information than we did mm-hmm. in August Sean you feel the same way or do you think you think you may see a, a couple of guys opt out once uh, once season gets closer no I don't, I don't really think you'll see um, you know see people opting out it, it will be interesting to see um, I think today, well, Monday, there is a, an article in the, the Wall Street Journal um, titled Health Experts Warn Against Basketball During Coronavirus. High schools are playing it anyway, uh, which was kind of an interesting read. So I think, it, you know, once things get going, um, especially with the close contact of, you know, as you saw in football, Clemson star quarterback sitting out. So, you know, how will that affect players if they, if they get it? But in terms of opting out, um, I agree with Sherelle, and I, I think everybody will be ready to get get going. All right. So, assuming guys are sticking on rosters and guys are playing, we thought we'd throw out a, a little bit of a, a discussion for, for our listeners tonight about other players in the ACC that you guys might want to see this year, uh, which would you know preclude guys on the UNC roster because we've talked about them pretty extensively so far and will as we get closer to the season and into the season. But, guys, um, give me a couple of names of players from around the league that you're really hyped to see play ball this year uh, in, you know, the Atlantic Coast Conference. Uh, Sean, I'll give you the first one. <laughs> I was hoping you are going to go with uh, Shrill there first. <laughs> um, you can pass, man. It's, it's... No, no. I, no, I'll, I'll shoot the, shoot the fadeaway um, on this one. You know, I think, you know, there's nobody I'm – I'm dying to see in the ACC. Um, I, I think there's a few definitely interesting players. Uh, I'll start with Miami first. So, you know, they were kind of a sub 500, sub 500 team, definitely not a lot of talent, especially when Chris Lakes was injured um, mm-hmm. for some of those games. But I think the DC connection with Chris Lakes, an upperclassman, and then Earl Timberlake, who UNC recruited and is yeah. more, you know, he looks like a football guy. So he's going to be kind of that uh, three, four, you know, undersized, strong, um, you know, I guess undersized power forward, basically. Um, So I think the combination of those two guys will be interesting and will give Miami definitely a little bit more talent than they did last year. And then you throw in uh, Cameron McGusty, who I believe transferred from Oklahoma state. So another talented guy. Um, and then the other team, there's a few teams, but uh, Georgia Tech, in terms of, you know, who they are bringing back, they had a pretty pretty good ACC run last year, um, and they avoided uh, really losing, um, you know, whether it's to transfer or um, to the NBA, you know, Michael DeVoe, Alvarado, um, Moses Wright. So I think Moses they have right. yeah. a good group of guys coming back, and especially that backcourt is pretty dynamic and can, can definitely score the ball. So – I think Georgia Tech's a team, once again, that can, you know, can they put it together consistently will be the question, but they can, I think, definitely 
pull off some big wins with that offensive firepower. I think I remember a Jose Alvarado giving North Carolina fits in the business last year uh, at least once. Is that right? Or was that a year before? No, that was, uh, that was, that was last year when, when UNC could not, that's right. Not stop Georgia Tech. And they uh, had about, I think they had 12 points in the first half or something like that. I love yep. that you mentioned Chris Likes too. I mean, he's coming back to Miami and is their returning uh, leading scorer. I'm, I'm pretty sure he may, um, you know, even when he was hurt last year, he's, he's going to bring a lot to that team. And Earl Timberlake is just that dude, that name sounds tough. Right? Like <laughs> it's just, that dude sounds like the kind of name that he would just walk into a gym and flex on you and maybe rip the rim off. Sherelle, who are some guys that you really are intrigued to watch this year? Uh, they could be freshmen. They could be you're returning uh, upperclassmen. Yeah, I, I'm high on Miami as well. Um, between Mogusty and Timberlake and Likes, and then you add Isaiah Wong in there as well. They have four really, really good players. Um, and you know what Larinaga can do when he has good guards. Um, you know, they pick and roll you to death, and, and <laughs> you kind of roll with the punches. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to watch Miami. I think they're going to be good. I, I was going to go off the board. Are we going to do – all ACC stuff. I don't want to reveal it if we are. Hey, man, yeah, I, I'm just the host. Okay, you guys all right. Go? Okay, so I, I no, you steer the ship. Okay, so I was going to go <laughs> off the board if we were going to, you know, start choosing newcomers. I think Earl Timberlake is going to be the ACC freshman of the year, um, for the reasons you stated. Just because he's so strong already, he's going to be stronger than most people in college basketball, and he's going to have a lot of opportunity. And I think, you know, rookie of the year comes down to opportunity as much as it does talent. Um, not saying that he's not talented, but I, I, I'm a big fan of his. <clears throat> um, a couple others off the board, Alan Griffin is a transfer from Illinois who's going to be playing at Syracuse. Um, and they have, you know, a potential with him and Gerard, a potential really, really good backcourt or, you know, kind of him on the wing. He's a they really also good need scorers too. That's yeah, yeah, they need, right. They need scorers. And he's a, he's a really good shooter on the wing. He's from New York, so maybe it'll just be more comfortable um, there. So I, I'm eager to watch him. Uh, and then a couple others. Um, I like MJ Walker a lot. Always have at Florida State. I think he's another guy who could, you know, kind of sneak onto that second or first team if he has a really good season. I, frankly, I'm surprised that he's still in college. I thought um, entering, you know, college, he'd be one of a, you know, one and done or two and done type player. So the fact that they've gotten four years out of him is pretty impressive. And then uh, the other one, I'll go with Amir Sims. Um, if you remember the Clemson game in the in the Smith, tried to block it out. Thanks, bro. <laughs> he hit us some big shots. Um, but a, a big fan of his have been since he was uh, playing with Team Loaded back in the day. Um, really become a shooter, which is something I did not see coming. Yeah. Like in kind of in the high school in his first couple of years, he was a bruiser and he played inside. And um, now that he's able to shoot and he can just becoming more of a com complete player. So uh, really excited to watch him as well. I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think Amir Sims led Clemson in three different categories last year. Uh, I think he led them in, in rebounds. I think he led them in scoring and maybe in block shots. I don't know, but he's he's a stat stuffer for them. And I'm with you. Like, when he developed that outside shot, which Carolina fans saw, unfortunately, in the Smith Center, uh, he has become a, kind of a next-level type player, and I could see him having an all-conference type season. Um, I'll throw out a couple. I I'm curious to see how Jay Scrub fits in at Louisville. Um, mm. You know, I, I'm always one to marvel, both in football and basketball, at how JUCO players, like how they're able to literally see their skills transfer, pardon the pun, uh, and see if that plays out. L Louisville's done a really good job of just kind of finding a, a bunch of guys that have some dog, and and they're really good at making those guys not quite interchangeable, but maximize their ability to get the different 
pluses that those players bring to the team. So I'm curious to see how Jay Scrub pans out. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Scotty Barnes. Uh, Scotty Barnes is, is the only freshman that I really felt like outside of the triangle that I, I really am a little bit intrigued to see. And you know, Leonard Hamilton, you know, shout out to Bunny Colvin, has always had uh, has always had the ability to get good athletes. And I think, you know, now he's starting to get, I mean, top 10 level talent. That's, that's a little scary uh, if, if you're, a, you know, just a, a, a fan of another team in the ACC. Um, and then I'll throw this one out too. I think DJ Funderburg could have a really good year for NC State. I think he's, he's got a lot of tools. And I think, you know, if he can beat back that, uh, that injury bug that he's fought a little bit and his, his, um, his I guess he's subject to, to foul trouble quite a bit. But I do love what he brings to the floor. I mean, he's got a lot of tenacity and you, know, you can't teach the, the height that he has. Uh, so I'd, I'd really be curious to see how uh, DJ Funderburg is able to put together a year. Anybody else, guys? I mean, I, I know I want to give Sean a chance to talk about his love for Kihei Clark and Charlottesville. <laughs> you want a platform here, Sean? Um, well, I mean, in terms of UVA, um, Jay Huff, I think. Not you know, Kihei Clark, though? No, I'm not. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I mean, look, Kihei Clark is a very strong defensive player, but, uh, you know, I think he's, he's definitely overrated as a uh, total ball player. Um, but Jay Huff, I think, you know, if he can really step in and, you know, when last year he showed there were some games where he just dominated. Um, and can he do that full time? Sticking on UVA, uh, I guess two guys, Casey Morsel, um, or probably mispronounced Morel. Call, Morel call it what Mor- you want to, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's your show. Yeah. I mean, he had one of the worst freshman seasons that anybody could ever have. I think his offensive rating was a 71. Um, I don't think he's nearly that bad of a player. Of course he did hit um, some very big shots uh, in the Dean dome, probably the yeah. only shots he hit all year. So we'll be yeah. interesting. <laughs> we'll be interesting if he can, you know, make kind of a leap as a sophomore. Um, and then Reese Beekman uh, for UVA, I think is, uh, you know, I think he's going to be one of those freshmen that outplays his ranking. And I've heard kind of good reports from him at UVA. Um, moving away from Charlottesville, I think you were talking about Louisville. Um, so obviously they just had a big, big injury, but in terms yeah. of their, their guards. Um, so two, you have the um, two sophomores now in terms of uh, Johnson and Williamson. And then you also have the grad transfer in uh, Carlick Jones and, I think UNC, we saw how the grad transfers, especially from the Big South, worked. Uh, he's getting a lot of hype, but I think, one, he was a player of the year in the conference, and two, uh, he's basically getting the keys. Uh, you know, they're going to give him the ball and, and see what he can do. So I think, you know, can he ad- how quickly can he adjust to the ACC level of play will be, uh, will be interesting. And then uh, i got to end with, obviously, Duke. And two guys for them, one is Matthew Hurt, uh, did not have a great, did not have a good freshman season, um, was almost unplayable at times on, on both ends of the floor. But when you look at his numbers, whether it's Ken Palm, Synergy, um, you know, just the straight numbers, he had very good, um, it was very efficient, good shooter. And, and just looking at the numbers would lead you to believe that he could make the jump as a sophomore. Um, and then finally, uh, Jalen Johnson, who I remember first watching after his freshman year in AAU. And I think he's probably the best passer in terms of uh, the high school class. 
And here you have a guy, six, seven, six, eight, that can really pass good size. You know, coach K is going to give him the ball. Can't really shoot that well, but um, I think he's, he's going to be an interesting one to watch knowing what Duke does when they have kind of, you know, their top two or three players and how much um, room they give them. Sean, you mentioned Louisville uh, a second ago, and I know I did as well, but I, it blows my mind. Yes, they're, yes, they lost Jordan Wara. Yes, they lost um, Dwayne Sutton and Stephen Enoch, but they brought in eight freshmen. They signed eight freshmen. What do you do with that? Real, can you explain to me how they have room to get eight freshmen into that program? Well, I mean, that's kind of when you um, start going into the grad transfer pool. That's one of the kind of consequences in that if you recruit a high school player, most of the time, um, there aren't many one and dones, but most of the time they're going to be there for a couple of years. Whereas with a grad transfer, unless they're very rare like Cameron Johnson, you know that they're going to be gone in a year. So you have to keep recruiting and keep recruiting and keep recruiting. And eventually you come to a point where you have to kind of taking a massive class because uh, maybe your grad tra- you take two grad transfers and that lines up with a class where you took um, four freshmen four years previous and you have six openings in one class. Um, so that happens pretty easily, I think, for a lot of places. And then you have to remember that Chris Mack is still, I think this is his sec- third year, second sure. year. Uh, I'm not sure which one, but uh, um, I think it's his third year. Uh, so he's still trying to, you know, put his footprint on the program and, and establish the things he wants to do. So he's still kind of filtering maybe some guys out from the previous coach and, and trying to move things along. So that's part of it too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be extra tough this year with, um, everything that happened with COVID and, you know, we, we keep talking about that, but let's not forget that we are in the middle of a global pandemic. It matters. (laughs) It It matters. matters. And, you know, those guys didn't get the time in the summer that they usually would have gotten and everything is just off from what it would be in a normal college basketball season. So um, that's going to have an impact one way or the other. Um, we just don't know what the impact is going to be, but it'd be silly to think that it's just, oh, it's just going to be just like a normal season. It's, it's not going to be. Yeah. Uh, last player to add, uh, Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how he does as a junior because he did have a, a, um, a much stronger freshman year than people expected. And then, I think he, you know, he was going into last year. Um, he was a projected second-round draft pick and really struggled. I think Pittsburgh had a few guys that, uh, you know, especially at the guard spot. And you had, uh, I think, Trey McGowan's transferred out to Nebraska. So now you have Xavier Johnson as a junior with the keys. Do I think Pittsburgh is going to be good? No, I don't. But I think uh, Xavier Johnson, with his explosiveness and how how quick he is, I think it'll be interesting to see if he can, um, you know, reproduce what he did as a freshman. Sherelle, give me one more before we put a bow on this one. Uh, I'll go back to our neighbors down the road. Um, I'm a big DJ Stewart fan. He is a freshman. I would call him a combo guard at uh, Duke who had a UNC offer late in the summer last year. Um, If there is a second coming of Chris Duhon more than this kid, (laughs) I haven't seen it. Um, and I, I say that as a compliment because I was at Carolina when Chris Duhon was killing Carolina. So um, <laughs> he's, he's, he was a very good player, you know, one of the top in the country. And Stewart just – he's a scorer. Um, he's, a little, he's a little thin right now. Um, he's going to have to develop his body. But super nice kid, uh, can score, can dribble. Um, he fits what you think a Duke guard should be or should look like. And um, kind of that 6'2 guy who uh, maybe isn't quite – 
you know, explosive as you think he should be, but he just can score. He can shoot. He can, can go from wherever on the court. Um, and I, I'm, I'm curious as uh, the season starts as to what <clears throat> Duke decides to do at the shooting guard, because I think Stewart, someone like Stewart can give you a little more offense than someone like Wendell Moore, but Wendell Moore gives you a lot more uh, versatility mm-hmm. around the court. So what, what are you looking for at that position? Or, you know, are they going to downsize where like someone like Jalen Johnson is at the four and when the Moore is at the three and then you have Stewart and Roach or, you know, they have some, some pieces. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious, uh, but I, I like Stewart a lot. And I think he's going to be a really good player. That second option that four out makes me feels like something more like what coach K would try to do, but Hey, you, you liking him to Chris Duon? I hope the kid's got strong ribs. Um, <laughs> boys, anything else you want to add in before we, before we shut this one down for tonight? I'll say the player I'm most excited to watch out of all those is RJ Davis though. Oh man! Look, I, told, ahead, I told you I'm, I'm I'm the president of the fan club, so uh, I I will allow any and all standing for R.J. Davis on this program. It's like a running joke. I mean, I don't, I don't we've we've been I think it's been, gosh, it's probably March, so like the last time we didn't mention R.J. Davis in in a podcast. So I don't plan on changing that. Yeah, we we have to get him in at, at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, and I guess we didn't mention anything about Carolina. Um, obviously, I think Garrison Brooks will be on the preseason first team when it comes out. Uh, I, I have a feeling he'll be the, the preseason player of the year. That worries me a little bit because I just think Carolina's going to be a much better team, and I just don't see the opportunities for him to put up some of the yeah. numbers he did last year um, and, and repeat. So I, the preseason player of the year is so weird to me because, like, Luke May was preseason player of the year. I feel year. like that guy never wins, right? Yeah, and just, Harrison Barnes was preseason player of the year. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, you know, looking forward to watching them and really, I I'm just so intrigued by this Carolina team because I feel like the talent, and this is not to disparage last year's team, but the talent is just, just so much more talent on the roster overall, you know, one through 13 than there was last year. Um, so I'm just, I'm kind of anxious to watch and, um, you know, they're at their best when they have those big guys playing like that. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch, I think. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, and, uh, I'm with you on all of that, um, Definitely want to echo the R.J. Davis, you know, lift up. But uh, And you mentioned last time, I think it was the last program, that we just don't see Garrison getting the same usage rate just because he's going to have more help. Right. Uh, so, who knows? I, I do appreciate that you guys did get a shout-out in for, for Big G there. All right, fellas. Appreciate the time. Uh, shout-out to everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, I hope that you appreciate what we're doing. If you don't, shoot us an email. Just give us a note on the message boards. Uh, you can always tell your friends to drop by, start listening, download, uh, rate, review, all that good stuff. I want to give a special shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring the program. Special shout-out to John Siegley for producing. And for Sean Moran, for Sherelle McMillan, we're getting close to tip-off, y'all. Uh, I'm Joey Powell. This has been another episode of the Coast to Coast podcast here on Inside Carolina and InsideCarolina.com. We'll holler at you next time. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.